Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro-Life Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about how to balance family and ministry. This is a very important subject, so please stay with us. Send me, Lord. I felt your passion, touched your heart. Use me, Lord. Use me, Lord. Welcome to the Gospel Centered Pro Life Podcast. Appreciate you guys tuning in, and uh, we will jump right into our subject. It's an important subject, and hopefully, because this will be coming out, we're actually recording. In the old year, but right. this will be coming out in the new year, twenty twenty one. So first recording for the new year. I believe it will be. Oh, okay. Yes. So um, good to see you guys this year. Yeah. Um, but I think it's an important topic that we have dealt with with our, I'd say, our sidewalk missionaries, also our local sidewalk volunteers. It's a constant thing that comes up mm-hmm. dealt with personally in my life. Uh, You've dealt with this personally in your life. And one of our sidewalk counselors here locally actually kind of, uh, I guess, spurred me on to to talk to you about doing a podcast. You wrote an article uh, that will go along with this podcast about balancing family and ministry. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I thought some of the principles that I have employed as a minister and uh, even a pastor in my past, I'd been a pastor for about nine years. And then some of the things, strategies, and biblical concepts that you've employed in uh, being out on the sidewalks uh, would help you guys that are listening. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we uh, we want to jump into this subject, balancing yeah. family and ministry. Yeah, both are important. Both are critical parts of my life, for sure. Any dedicated, committed Christian's life. Yeah. So, And it's one of the most commonly voiced struggles is how do I balance the demands of family and ministry because they're both important. They're both um, they're intensive. You, yeah. you need to devote a lot of time, or you can lose one or the other. So, yeah. how do we balance and um, and prioritize? And it's it creates attention. Yeah. I think it's Absolutely. it's one of the most common tensions voiced by by our counselors, and that we get questions about how do you do it. So, yeah, the I think as in yeah, all things. Well, I will say that as we were even going through this article and yeah. just kind of honing in, what are the points that we wanted to touch on? Uh, we we came to realize that there's some tension here, even in our own lives. Yeah. I mean, the tension between you guys will see in some of the points that we yeah. share, uh, keeping God first, mm-hmm. but also your first ministry being to your family. Those mm-hmm. are our first two points. So there's a tension there because as we'll. As we go along, you guys will see, um, sometimes you can use family tension and struggles in your family to justify not obeying the Lord. Right. Right? So yeah. how do you balance that? How do you how do you get through that struggle? So we're going to talk about how you do that. Hopefully, we're going to give you guys some principles to, uh, to employ yourselves. Yeah. And um, probably leave you still with some biblical tension. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're not going to be figuring it all out for you and uh, checking all the boxes for you. You've got to seek the Lord yourself. You've got to find out what the Lord has for you and for your family. So let's jump into it. Yeah, and I think that helps knowing that the struggle and the tension is universal and is real. Yeah. And and it's not going to be resolved by this podcast. It's not going to be resolved by anything because 
they, there are competing interests. And so the, I think that these can guide, but they're not going to completely solve yeah. the, or eliminate that tension. So the first yeah. one, our first priority is to God. Yeah, yeah. And of course, I mean, if you're a Christian, you, you realize this as a biblical concept, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're called to love God above everything else. Yeah. What's, what's the great command? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mm-hmm. mind, soul, and strength. Yeah. So and right so away... We're the supposed ten- to love God first. And right away, the tension is created. Okay, yeah. your focus, your priority, everything is on God first, and yet you've got a baby at home. <laughs> you've got a wife at home or a husband at home. Been there. You've got yeah. dogs that need feeding. And and so um, so there's... There is only so many hours in the day, so much energy and emotional strength that any single person has. How do you make sure that God is your priority without neglecting other things? So we have a good verse, right? Yeah, I mean, it's probably a verse that that you guys, as soon as I mention this topic, or at least this uh, point here under this topic that came to your mind is, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Yeah. And so we're called to lose our life for the sake of the gospel. We're called to serve the Lord above all other things, above all other people, including mm-hmm. our parents, including mm-hmm. our children, including our wives. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... That's a biblical reality that we have to deal with. God is first. God is supposed to be first. God is first, even above your wife, even above your husband. God is first. Right. But under God being first, I believe the next point follows Mm -hmm. that our first ministry is to our family. Priority first, priority God. Yeah. But our first ministry is to our family. Because God is first... Mm -hmm. Those things that are most important to God should be most mm. important to us. Right. Yeah. And uh, I think this point is established in First Timothy uh, chapter 5. Yeah, that's a good one. In verse 8. Mm-hmm. And it says, uh, if anyone does not provide for his own, especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Yeah. Now, the context here is providing physical necessities and things and talking about those who are widowed and and all of that. So if you have widows that um, that need to be cared for, if you have a grandmother who's widowed and needs to be cared for, you shouldn't be uh, casting the uh, responsibility off on the church or anyone else. That's your responsibility. But I think this concept can carry through to just beyond physical. I mean, if you think of a man who doesn't provide food for his family, he doesn't provide, he goes right. off and you know, whatever gambles or does drugs or whatever you think, that guy's just a a scumbag, right? He's not providing the basic necessities. But your children also need oversight. Your your children also need discipline. Your children need beyond food. They need um, their father to be near to them, to give them guidance. They need time. They need love. Quality time, quantity time. Kids need all of that. And so Mm -hmm. I think this, this concept here carries through with all of those different things that we're supposed to provide for our, our children, but also that we're supposed to provide for our wives. So right. we're supposed to provide protection for our wives. We're yeah. supposed to be there for our families. Yeah. And so I'll say, because God is first, that what God tells us to put first, 
we need to put first. Our first ministry is to our family. One of the things that the Bible says, um, Mark 8, verse 36, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole mm-hmm. world but loses his own soul? Right? Yeah. That's that's yeah. biblical reality. Right. I would say, though, what does it profit a minister if he or she gains the whole world but loses their own family? Right. Yeah. You, you hear about pastors. I've read about pastors who have poured themselves out. As a matter of fact, going through this subject and going through the points that you laid out, I read several articles um, from different pastors that talked about their experiences and neglecting their families and how God dealt with them or what they've seen in other pastors' lives, how they've neglected their family to go win the world. And these are tragic stories where these pastors pour themselves out for ministry. They pour themselves out to minister to their congregations or build their churches or or whatever. Yeah. And it goes into the corporate world, too, mm-hmm. where people try to gain the whole world. They try to maybe try to win everybody to Jesus, or you try to whatever, win that corporate title or whatever it might be, and you lose your family, you yeah. failed. Yeah. Right? Well, the balance of work and family is universal. In this case, we're talking about the work being ministry, but it, yeah. I think it's true of everyone on earth that that holds down a job and has a family at home, that there's going to be that that struggle yeah. between making time for your family and and time uh, for the ministry. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, and, you know, if you're not teaching your family about the Word of God— then, uh, you know, you've, you've lost your very first ministry that God has commanded. Yeah, I mean, us. think about it. You, you go out to, in our ministry context, it's the yeah. sidewalk at an abortion center, and you win souls for Jesus, and you see people getting saved, you see babies saved, and then you come home and just completely neglect to teach your, your children the Bible. Yeah, completely neglect to spend time with them, and yet you're spending time out on the sidewalk. You're with pouring strangers. into people that you don't right. even know right? Yeah. the biblical truths that you have have sown in your heart, and yet you don't sow those biblical truths in the hearts of your children. Are you really are you really doing what God has called you to do? Right. So yeah. if you have to neglect your family to minister to other people, then your balance is way off, right. for sure. Yeah, yeah. And, and one of the things, I, I think it is an important um, – to, to say this, that you should not forego ministry when there are imperfections in your family, sure. because there is no perfect family, and you are not going to perfectly strike this balance. No one will. Outside of heaven, none of us will Absolutely. perfectly strike that balance. And so that leads then kind of into our, our third point. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The third point is don't use family struggles as, as an excuse for right. inaction in ministry. And we've seen that yeah. all the now, time. I've been tempted to, to be there myself. Yeah. What can happen, so our first ministry is to our family. Right. If we have to neglect our fam- family to do ministry, whatever that ministry might be, especially a ministry as necessary intense. as being out there, right. as intense as yeah. being out there on the sidewalk. Um. And again, we're not doing what God has called us to do if we have to, to neglect our family for that. However, this is a very important ministry, right? This is a, this is a necessary ministry. And we've been called to and it. We've been called to it, yeah. and we're talking life and death. Right. So just because there's some struggle with little Johnny at home because he's not doing his homework or you know whatever it might be, I, or I don't even know that, what the he struggle, or that he misses you, maybe he misses you because you, yeah. you're not yeah. there for you know all the hours that Johnny really wants you there. 
again, there's that tension. That is that. There's that tension. I mean, I've had. I'll just share personally that when my oldest daughter was really young, she did softball, mm-hmm. and she had softball. And I think it was most Saturdays she would have softball uh, games. Yeah. At that point, I was working a full time job doing hardwood floors. Right. But also on Saturdays, I would come out and do ministry on the sidewalks. And at that time, there was very few Christians out there on the sidewalk, very few people that were there. And there would be some days where there would be, I don't know, 60, 70 people there for an abortion. To kill their babies. And you would have... And you were almost the only person out there. Yeah, there were times when it was just me and another guy. Yeah. There were times when there were, you know, more than a handful of people there, and I praise God for those times, but there were times when it was just me and one other person it's like there's these babies are going to die without a voice. And there were times in conversation with my wife where I let her know, I've got to be there. I just can't. I can't leave those babies without a, without a voice. But I'm going to miss my daughter's softball game. Yeah. That was tough. That was a yeah. tough decision. Yeah. Now, there were times when I was able to go and I went every chance I could get. If I had to leave maybe 30 minutes earlier than I would normally leave from the sidewalk here to go to a, a softball game, I would do it. Like, I wasn't just negligent in that in that way, but somebody had to give these babies a voice. And I made sure, and that was very intentional about explaining to my daughter why I was doing what I was doing, not trying to guilt trip her and making her feel bad, you know, for, for wanting me there or anything like that, but just explaining to her why I'm going out there on the sidewalk rather than coming to her game. And, of course, as soon as I got home, I would ask her how it went, you know, how many right. hits did you yeah. get, things like yeah. that. I would be as involved as possible. But I just share that as a personal experience. Maybe you could fault me for that. Maybe I should have went to every softball game and shouldn't have went to the sidewalk. I'm sure people could fault me either way, but I did the best I could Mm -hmm. in conversation with my wife, talking it through with my daughter to to do what I could to minister and also um, minister to my family. And I think that's a really key, really important point that you talked it over with everyone involved. And so that there was a clear understanding of there's only one of you and there are these very strong competing forces and and you were called by God, God to be out there. So communicate with with everybody, yeah. uh, people in ministry and with your family about the that tension and how can how can you meet the needs. I know when yeah. I came on to to help out with with Cities for Life, one of the things from the get go that I said was I'm a I'm going to be a new grandmom, and I had aging parents, and I knew that those family obligations were critical and important. And I voiced the concern immediately and graciously uh, was a, was given the time to go attend to those family needs when I had to. But I did try to limit it and probably limit it more than if I didn't have a ministry obligation. So yeah. there there is always a trade-off and a payoff, but um, uh, we're all kind of just struggling to do our best. But And I think it's useful for us to remember that and to know everybody everybody shares yeah. this, this struggle. Absolutely. But but don't don't use the um, the family issue as an excuse. Yeah. And be and I think that that requires prayerful discernment. It does. Wisdom from others. Um, being in the word. Yeah. And and knowing when you're using it as as just an excuse to avoid what is difficult. Yeah. And there are certainly times when there's issues in your family, things that are going on, times when you need to minister to your wife, your husband, or your right. kids yeah. that you can't be out on the sidewalk, yeah. that you can't be involved in some capacity. And uh 
certainly as far as we're concerned with our local volunteers here, we understand that. We never want people to be guilted in to coming out there or whatever. We understand that their first ministry is to their family. Yeah. But again, you have to gauge it before the Lord whether or not it's becoming an excuse because, listen, if there's any, like, if there's any ministry where you'd want an excuse to not be out there to yeah. be able to give yourself a pass, yeah. it'd be this ministry yeah. because it can be really intense and yes. it can be really heavy. It, Especially heavy on those ministry. cold, cold days or those hot, hot days yeah. or, you know, with all the struggles that are out there. So, so be careful of that, that you're not using your family as an excuse. But kind of another counterpoint to that is that because you see maybe division in a, in a family yeah. or struggles in a family, it might not be due to there's a problem with an imbalance with you in ministry. Yeah. It could be due to something entirely different. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I've seen situations, and I know you have too, mm-hmm. with even local volunteers where maybe we have a younger volunteer whose parents are not necessarily cool with them being out on the sidewalk. Maybe yeah. they're pro-choice, they're pro-abortion people, yeah. or maybe the flip side. I know we've had some folks that come out who have children who are older children, maybe in their 20s or whatever, and have gone the way of the leftists. Yeah. And yeah. they don't like their parents to be out there. It's embarrassing yeah. for them, yeah. for their parents to be out there or whatever. Yeah. And so there's some some tension even with them being out on the sidewalk in their families. And, yeah. Um, and Jesus talks about that. Yeah. He says, do you suppose, this is Luke chapter 12, uh-huh. verse 51 through 53, do you suppose that I came to grant peace on earth? I tell you, no, but rather division. From now on, uh, family members in one household will be divided, three against two and two against three. There will be divided father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. So there's going to be some division. Following Jesus is not always easy. As a matter of fact, he said in that previous verse that we read that it's yeah. like taking up a cross and following him. Yeah. yeah. Right? It's 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 crucifixion. Sometimes yeah. it's painful. Yeah. It's painful in your family. It's painful with the tension that it can cause and with the necessary struggles that you have to go through to to obey the Lord. Yeah, and but how do you, uh, and what's your guide there? Well, if God has called you, you you certainly should never be disobeying God because a family member is unhappy yeah. with with what you're doing. And and so are you following God? Are are you listening to God? Are are you faithfully doing what he has called you to do? And if there is struggle and division in your family over that, then that is what you still need yeah. to do. On the other hand, Satan can be the cause oh, of, of family struggle, and, and he, I think, often does use family struggle yeah. to prevent effective people from being out doing the ministry yeah. that God has called them yeah, absolutely. The devil's going to try to get in and sow discord and confusion and try to neutralize us as much as he can. The devil does not want people out on that sidewalk bringing a voice for those babies and bringing the gospel to that place of darkness. And so he's going to try to use all kinds of things, and it can be division within your family. Yeah. It can be family struggles, even husband and wife struggles. Yeah. I mean, being out in ministry like this is it's it's a conversation you need to have with your husband. I mean, hopefully, yeah. I don't know of any volunteers currently that we have whose um, 
many of them are ladies whose husbands are in disagreement with what they're doing. I don't think there's any, and I don't know how any could. Yeah. I mean, certainly. They may not be out there themselves, but to actively disagree yeah. with with their spouse, that would be a very hard path. That would be a tough thing to deal yeah. with. And, yeah. And so if that's the situation with, with a person, I would, <laughs> I mean, that needs some serious prayer. You still have to obey the Lord. Let's say, you yeah. know, if you're, you got a husband who's not walking with God, who doesn't understand why in the world you would be out on the sidewalk at an abortion center. I mean, that's that's quite the struggle to have. Yeah. However, does that necessarily mean that you shouldn't be out there? I don't think so. No, not if God has called you I to be the out Lord, there. You're yeah. in obedience to God. I think that takes precedence over family. Yeah. Hard as that is. Yeah. And 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 I guess being able to figure out is is this what God is calling me to do? And if he is, am I is am I doing what I should be doing because the Bible is very clear that we are wives to submit to husbands. Yeah. Well, what if your husband is saying, "Don't do this." Yeah. Don't that obey becomes, the Lord. That becomes yeah. that become well, don't do this, submit to me. Yeah. And then that becomes again this tension of uh, it feels like a conflict in in what God is is trying to say to you, do I obey God? Do I submit to my husband when they are at odds? And what do I do then? And I think that kind of leads to our next point that, and I I know I have felt to the breaking point at at times out here. I think you have. I think all of us have at some points because it's such a difficult ministry. But God will never ask of you more than you can give. Yeah. Yeah, no, and this this kind of ties into something I always want to try to touch on as I'm dealing with new volunteers, bringing new volunteers out, is that if we're driven by guilt, oftentimes yeah. we're, we will take ourselves beyond what God wants us to do. Mm-hmm. And so we really have to check our motivation for ministry, because mm-hmm. if guilt is our driver, we'll know v- real quickly, because we'll we'll stretch ourselves beyond what we can actually do. Right. You know, we, I know you've seen it, where you have a new volunteer come out, and they say... Oh, this is a great ministry. I need to be involved in this. I'm going to be out here every day. Right. And we always tell them, hey, put the brakes on for a second. Yeah. We don't want you out here every day. Right. We actually one want day you is just, good. One, one day a week, one day is, a week good. Is, is good. That's yeah. enough because yeah. the spiritual warfare, the the play on your mind and your heart, your emotions, it's a very emotional ministry. Uh, to watch moms go in there and kill their children, know that's a reality that's happening right in front of your face. Yeah. Um, anyway, the point is when somebody takes that, yeah, I appreciate the zeal, but when somebody takes that kind of mentality that I'm going to be out here every day, to me, it's it's an indication they're probably driven by guilt yeah. rather than a love for the Lord. Yeah, and they will quickly burn out, and they will go from being filled with zeal to being broken pretty quickly. Yeah. I, I think that that often happens, and they're the ones that melt away. So there's there's a wonderful verse in Isaiah 42.3 that I know is a verse that that you have um, quoted often. Yeah. And um, you want me to read that one? Yeah. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. So a bruised reed he will not break. We can, we can be stretched. God will stretch us yeah. out on... Yeah, and I think <laughs> that's an important point. We're not yeah. saying that, you know, there's this... It's a biblical mentality that the Lord never puts on you. You know, the Bible says God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. Right. That's a biblical reality. And some people will say God will never put on you more than you can handle. 
God will put on you more than you can handle in your own strength, but he won't put on you more than you can handle in the strength that he supplies, right? Yeah, yeah. One of the things I say that God is not an Egyptian taskmaster telling us to make bricks without straw, Mm -hmm. right? You know, the story of Moses' time, Mm -hmm. the Egyptian taskmasters told the children of Israel to make bricks without straw. It's impossible. Like, you can't do that. Yeah. And so... God's not asking you to do that. God's not asking you to come out on the sidewalk every day of the week because of some wonderful thing that you have in yourself. I mean, first of all, we have to put ourselves in our place. We're not that wonderful, right? We need Sadly, the grace of God. Sadly, this is the case. Yeah. Sadly, it's <laughs> Outside the case. of the Lord, we're not wonderful at all. Yeah. Um, now, God's grace is on you if you're a Christian, and God's Word is in you, right? And you want to bring His Word to that place of death and destruction. Um, but the point here is that we oftentimes can put things on ourselves mm-hmm. or other people can put things on us that make us feel like we should go beyond what God's really called us to. So yeah. if you're out there on the sidewalk, you know, let's say like many of our volunteers, you're a homeschool mom and you're trying to teach your kids and you want to teach them effectively mm-hmm. and you want to teach them all the things that they need to know. Mm-hmm. And yet you're going to be out on the sidewalk because you're driven by guilt five days a week. How are you going to do that? You're, right. you're putting more on yourself than God's actually put on you. Your yeah. first ministry to your family, do that. And then, like one of our volunteers, she brings her kids out on the sidewalk with her. Right, yeah. And they serve together. Yeah. She does that really faithfully once yeah, a and week. It's, it's, I and it's something she can do. I think what she's doing is actually a good example of being stretched by God, because it is not easy being out there with three young children on a street where traffic is. So so she's stretched, but she um, she keeps it to a reasonable amount of time so that she is not broken. It does not yeah. become too much. She can still minister to her family. But I think we kind of blend it into check, check your motivation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because if guilt is what's motivating you, then you will be broken. Eventually, you will be broken. You will not want to be out there anymore because it does not sustain. Yeah. So what is our motivation? Well, our motivation, first and foremost, should be a love for God. Yeah. That's got to be our driving motivation. And we, we hit that, that point home yeah. with our sidewalk missionaries. We hit that point home with our sidewalk volunteers. We hit that point home with ourselves, right? right. Yep. We've got to be driven by a love for God. And that's why I think we did a podcast some months ago, maybe even the beginning of, of doing podcasts, where we talked about this dynamic that we can't be driven by hatred for abortion. We can't be driven by hatred for Planned Parenthood. We can't be driven. Our motivation cannot be the horror of abortion. It has to be the glory of Jesus. Right. It has to yeah. be our love for Him. Out of that flows our love for our neighbor. So. We can't even be driven by our love for our neighbor, for these babies mm-hmm. and for these moms. We have to be driven first and foremost by love for God, and it keeps things in their proper order. Yeah. And when when you're saying you can't be driven by guilt in ministry, I think that is true also. You can't be driven for spending time with your family by guilt yeah. either. And again, that sets up tension because I think guilt does come as we feel like, oh, I should be spending more time with, with my kids yeah. or, or husband or, or wife or whatever. So, but, but the same principle applies. Guilt is not what should be your motivator in your time with God or in your time with family or in your time with ministry. It should be an yeah. outflowing of, of love. Now, I will say, because um, I'm not one to say, I know modern Christians kind of say this sort of thing, that guilt is a bad thing. I right? think guilt is such a good thing. And that, that <laughs> guilt should never be employed or whatever. I'm yeah. not one to agree with that. Yeah. I will say, and you can disagree with me 
with me if you want to, but I think you'll agree that yeah. guilt can be a good initial motivator. It can get you out there. It can get you saying. out on the it sidewalk. It can get you beyond yeah. your comfort yeah. zone yeah. to start with. Yeah, but it won't and I think sustain it's, you. Yeah, it's it's a it's maybe a good initial motivator. Yeah, but it's a horrible sustainer. Yeah. Guilt cannot sustain you if you're sustained by guilt in any ministry that you're involved in, but especially this ministry. Then you're going to crash and burn. Yeah, you're either going to go completely off the rails and go berserk, or you're just going to be completely neutralized. Guilt cannot sustain you, so it might get you out there. And listen, the reality that we've murdered 65 million of our own children in the womb in the United States of America, and the Church of Jesus Christ has been largely checked out on this issue for the past 40, what, almost five years, 45 years or so. Yeah, um, that should make us feel guilty. Pastors yeah. should be guilty for not should feel guilty for not saying something about the issue of abortion. Uh, But that guilt should lead to action, and that guilt should not be what we uh, take as our sustainer. It should be maybe an initial motivator, but our sustaining power, our sustaining focus should be a love for God. Yeah, and it's also to me, when I was saying guilt is good, I do believe that guilt is God's method of getting our attention and saying something's wrong here. Yeah. And you need to do something about it. And and so guilt can be very useful if you pay attention to those feelings of guilt. And if there's something you can rectify, you better. Yeah. Um, but um, but don't let it be what what keeps you continuing on in any ministry for family or 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 for God. So yeah. check your motivation. Absolutely. Check your motivation for for ministry. Yeah. This this next point actually yeah. was a point that you had voiced. I guess. Probably when I first asked you to come on with uh, Cities for Life yeah. in kind of a full-time capacity, yeah. you talked about some boundaries right. and setting boundaries. And one of the things you told me is, and tell me, correct me if I'm wrong with this, but you said, I'm just a boundary I've set with me and my husband and my family is that if a mom needs a place to stay, we cannot have them living at our house. Right. Yeah. We yeah. can't do that because I know that I can't. I can't deal with now. Other people may be able to, yeah. But you, and again, correct me if I'm wrong. If I'm speaking for you, but I can't do what I'm doing out here on the sidewalk and be able to minister to these women effectively in my home. Yeah, I, I need kind of my space. My retreat. I, I, need I my needed retreat. a place where I knew I could let it all go, yeah. and and that without that, I would literally lose my mind. I knew that. Yeah, that was never an issue. Um, I set other boundaries too. I said I would never do Saturdays. <laughs> yeah, well, you can. <laughs> I, I let that boundary go, but yeah. <laughs> um, but other. Did. I mean, there are physical boundaries. As you know, as I get older, there there are definitely things I can't do that I could do when I was younger. Physical things, just like lifting the speaker. Yeah, I just can't do it, and that is part of our our ministry and someone has to do it. And if I don't, someone else does have to do it. And that could cause guilt. But I thought that's why it was, this was such an important point to make. There is reality and and you need to know your boundaries and your limitations and you need to be open about them and not be fearful that they will not be received. The, the, of course, the last place where you should be fearful that, that you're, Realistic boundaries would not be received in a it's in a Christian ministry. You would hope that people would be understanding and receptive. Sure. So, but I think it is very important as soon as you're becoming involved in ministry, set those boundaries. Tell whoever you're being involved with, whoever your overseer is, whatever that yeah. 
this is what I can do, and these are some things I just really cannot. And I think that does play into what we talked about just a few minutes ago mm-hmm. and the amount of days that you can actually come out. Right. I know that if, you know, if I had somebody, and we've got a couple of volunteers that come out multiple days, yeah. and I don't tell them not to. Right. They seem to be doing pretty well coming yeah. out like they yeah. do, and I don't see them being spent physically, emotionally, or mentally, or whatever, and they seem to be doing well. So I'm not going to tell them to stop doing that. Right. But I know in ministry, when you've got people that are willing, it's like, if you're willing, I'll I'll, 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 use I'll you. put your feet out there <laughs> on the sidewalk. And so you've got to even set those boundaries in your mind, and you're coming out and volunteering, or you're coming out into ministry in some kind of full-time capacity. You've got to set those boundaries in your mind, talk about it with your wife, with your husband, yeah. and then... Make sure that those are voiced right up front with right. the leadership of the ministry. Yeah. I can only do one day a week. I know that yeah. it might seem, I mean, especially if you're a retired person or whatever, it might seem I have all this like I have all this extra time on my hands and maybe I should be out here more than I than than I am, but this is as far as I'm able to go right now. And so just setting that as an expectation right off uh, right off the bat, I think is helpful. Yeah, I think so too. And, and when I mentioned the Saturday thing, I actually mentioned that for a reason. Well, later on, I discovered, you know, Saturdays are not as bad as I thought. And I actually have come to, um, again, with some boundaries on how much time I'm out there on Saturdays. Now I do do Saturdays. Saturdays. So setting boundaries from the beginning doesn't mean that those boundaries might not shift or change sure. down the road and, and you know, give yourself license to, to do so. But it helps from the get-go if there are actual limitations that, that those have been yes. set. Well, I know one of the things you're talking about Saturdays, mm-hmm. on Saturday mornings, one of the things that makes Saturdays difficult right. is the fact that our teams get out there so early. It's so uh, cold. Yeah, <laughs> I, I get out there on Saturday mornings about 645. Yeah. To try to get set up. The birds aren't even awake yeah, yet. Yeah, right. The uh, abortion clinic opens at 7 on yeah. Saturdays. So it's cold. And for you, that's just one of those physical limitations that you have. Cold weather doesn't work so well in your uh, in your circumstance. Yeah. With the mm, way your body <laughs> operates, I guess. Some excuse <laughs> that you make there, I'm sure. Well, also, it's... Five hours. That, yeah, that's the true. other thing is the, the seven o'clock people, at least you and I, are there for, for at least yeah. five hours, sometimes yep. six. That's a long time yep. to be in the cold. It is a long and, time. And, but, um, you know, sometimes it's okay. Sometimes yeah. it's okay. And, and I've learned that, okay, this is a boundary I can bend a little. Not, sure. not regularly, but I can bend it a little. So, um, so learning to say no and being comfortable saying no. And that, that falls on leadership, too. Yeah. That have, have we made our um, volunteers feel that they can say, I just can't do that. And um, I, as, as a volunteer, and now I'm in a, a leadership position, but I have been and still am a volunteer for um, uh, for quite some time. And I know I never, I was never put on a guilt trip or I, I all I ever heard from people in, in charge, which was you basically was, okay, that's fine. Thanks for letting me know. Yeah. And so that made it easier to say no when I had to say no. So, but then the counterpoint to that, if God is urging you, Say yes. Yeah. Learn to say yes, too. And don't let fear, I think, is usually the main reason in our ministry when people don't say yes, is they're afraid of what that will entail. Sure. Yeah. So if, if God's telling you to, then learn to say yes. Yeah. So our next one. 
So the next point is to be intentional about reserving time for family. Yeah. And um, because we're talking about balancing family and ministry, um, and then again, we're dealing with an intense ministry, Mm -hmm. there is the ability, I know just for me, coming home from ministering on the sidewalk on Saturdays especially, and Saturdays are the days that most people spend time with their family, in particular, Mm -hmm. you know, you're working during the week or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's easy for me just to come and and lay on the couch and check out, and I actually do do that a lot. Um, (laughs) However, there are times when I just need to spend time with my family. There are times when one of my sons, my my youngest son, actually wants to come up to me and uh, play with Legos, and I really don't want to. But I make myself that's like do it. Not sometimes. your prime activity. Man, yeah. I'm so worn out and engaging my mind in something other than just taking a nap or right. whatever. Just mindless yeah. is really, really hard. Um, but I try to be intentional about doing that. Yeah. But not even that. I mean, lengthy time with your family, taking a vacation, mm-hmm. spending some time away from ministry can be very important. Jesus did that himself. Yeah. Um, in Mark chapter one, I think in Luke chapter five, it talks about the same thing. Mm-hmm. And this is um, Mark chapter one. This is right after like a boatload of people were coming to Jesus, wanting to be healed, demons cast out and all this. So he has ministry opportunities, right? Yeah. He's got people knocking at the door to come and for for him to do ministry to them, to minister to their needs. He always did. I mean, he yeah. always did. He always had a ministry need. Yeah. So it says in in the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. Now, you might ask, what does this have to do with family? Well, Jesus didn't have a wife and kids, Mm -hmm. but he did have his heavenly father. That's the relationship that he was cultivating, his closest relationship. Your closest relationships should be with your family. And so he goes alone, even in the midst of ministry needs. And so again, we're talking about balance. Even in the midst of ministry needs, Jesus slipped away and spent time with his heavenly father. And it seems like it was the regular pattern for Jesus. And I think a very important point here is the word intentional and thinking being intentional. Well, look look at in that verse. In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. You know Jesus had to be tired, I assume. I don't know if God got tired, but... Jesus I would got think, tired. I mean, he was human. He was God in human He was flesh. God in human form. So you know he's been tired. He's been ministering to the multitude. And yet it was in the early morning while it was still dark when he gets up to pray to his heavenly father, he intentionally sacrificed sleep time yeah. in order to spend time with his father. So in this case, to spend, you could really look at this both ways, in order to spend time with his father family and in order to spend time with his ministry because they were really in Jesus's case yeah kind of one in the same but um, I know that for me to be able to do all I need to do to prepare spiritually and physically to be out on the sidewalk I have to get up while it's still dark I get up at five and I didn't used to but I do now I get up all the time uh, even now even when I'm not going to be out here Um And so I'm very intentional, not so that I have time for my family, but so that I have time for ministry that later on, these things I'm doing in the morning, I won't have to be doing later in the day when I could be spending time with my family. So I think it is important to schedule time. Time management is important. Yes. And if you are not intentional in your scheduling of time with family, 
and with ministry, it will invariably be encroached upon. Yeah, absolutely. So I love checklists. Checklists are the way that I remain intentional yeah. in, in, yeah, do checklists in the use too. of my time. Doesn't it help? It does help. Yeah. It helps you prioritize things. Yeah. It helps you to take care of those things that need to be taken care of and, and put off those things that don't. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, checklists are helpful. But the intentionality, like you're talking about yeah. with family, yeah. is important. It's not the motivation of the check mark in the box. It's the motivation of, I have just made time. I have made intentional time yeah. uh, available for, for what really matters. Yeah, absolutely. So the, our next point is that ministry often can complement family. We've kind of talked about mostly up until this point that, gosh, ministry takes away from family. But that certainly is not always the case and and in some cases there's fam- whole families that do ministry together. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I believe that this ministry, the ministry on the sidewalk at an mm-hmm. abortion center as crazy it might sound as it might sound to some of you guys is actually an opportunity for family discipleship. Yeah. You know, we talk about with our kids that we should love our neighbor as ourselves, we should love God, love our neighbor. We talk about the issue of abortion and how terrible it is that lives are being destroyed through abortion. Mm -hmm. And then our kids know that abortions are taking place. And yet as Christians, if we're not doing anything about it, we're we're really giving a mixed message to our kids. So if we bring our kids out to an abortion center, I know I met a couple of weeks ago, and I'm not sure if you were out there, but it was on a Saturday, this wonderful family that came along. I think they had five kids or so, and they brought their kids out. They saw on social media what's happening out there what our ministry's doing out there, uh, even the prayer walks and all of that. And they wanted to bring their kids out, and their daughter has actually a burden to even volunteer out there now. Wow. So uh, families like that bless me because they're mm-hmm. using that, this ministry, as an opportunity to disciple their kids. And my family, we do the same thing. We bring our kids out on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, recently, we have not in the past couple of months with COVID and with yeah. our crazy pro-abortion friends yeah. that we've had out there yeah. lately. We've not brought our kids out. Um, but I plan to b- bring them back out. It's a yeah. regular part of ministry in our family. It's, my wife actually ministers on the sidewalk as well. She's one of the nurses on the mobile ultrasound unit. Yeah. But my kids have come out and held signs, um, even handed out literature. They've done other things in ministry. They've helped out even here in the office with certain things. Right. Yeah. And they helped put together some of our literature. Yeah. So as a family, we can disciple our kids as parents, as moms and dads. We can disciple our kids by bringing them out on the sidewalk or involving them in some kind of pro-life ministry yeah. uh, to help them grow in their walk with the Lord. Yeah, you're living the gospel with them. And and the wonderful thing is they, that removes a little bit of that tension of family time yeah. versus ministry time because it's both, all yeah, in one. absolutely. So you, and, and it can, I think, I have seen many large families like, like yours, the Metzgers come to mind, that do minister as a family out at the uh, abortion center, and it seems to be a um, a bonding element for for those families. It's yeah. something that they all gather around and believe in, and it unifies. It's a, a joint family purpose before God. So I think it's a really wonderful dynamic when that happens. It doesn't happen with all families. Sure. I think you're really blessed that it it's true of, of yours. Um, and I, we don't want to make families where that's not the case feel bad. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something that before the Lord that a husband and wife need to decide. I know there are people who 
they don't want to bring their kids out and have them exposed to the craziness that happens on right. the sidewalk. Right. I don't guilt them for that. Yeah. I don't fault them for that. You know your kids better than I do. You know your yeah. family dynamic better than I do. I do think it's a good opportunity for family discipleship, but maybe some families just aren't there. Like they yeah. just don't see that fitting into their their dynamic and and all of that. So, you know, yeah. on my end, no condemnation as far as that's concerned. Um, but I do I do encourage people to, of course, step beyond your comfort zone. We're mm-hmm. not called to live in our comfort zone. We're called to live in obedience to the Lord. So if it's just a comfort zone thing, I would say that would be something I would check my heart about. Right. Um, because yeah. this is a good opportunity for um, for family ministry yeah. and for discipleship. And I, I know many youngsters in a pro-life family that all come and minister together can't wait to be out here. Yeah. So they see the importance. They see things that they really are drawn to in ministry. And I think it's such a wonderful way to have a child grow up in the Lord Yeah. for, for some families, like you said, not for all. Yeah. So there's a scripture, and, and you guys listen probably know this scripture by heart, Deuteronomy chapter 6, mm. verses 6 and 7. And uh, this is the Lord's command to the children of Israel to teach um, the men, in particular, to teach their children the ways of God and the law of God. And he says, these words, which I shall command you today, or which I am commanding you today, shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. So mm-hmm. basically, wherever you're going, you're supposed to be teaching the Word of God. So whether you take yeah. your kids away and, and you're intentional about having some time away with family, you still need to be teaching your kids the Word of God. Right. You're sitting at the dinner table, still need to be teaching your kids the Word of God. When you take them out to the abortion mill, you should be teaching them the Word of God. Use and these are different. Yeah, these are yeah. different scenarios in which you can teach different facets of God's Word and God's truths. Amen. So the last one, 10. I don't know if you've been keeping count. Yeah. This is number 10. This is we number like 10. 10. Good round number. Yeah, it is. So, so don't take responsibility for what you cannot control. And that, I think, eliminates a lot of the stress of ministry yeah. and of family. There are things you just really have to let go of because you yeah. can't control them. There are sometimes so many hours you're going to be having to put towards ministry, and there are often limitations in how much time you can spend with your family. So you control what you can, and the others you give to God. Yeah, yeah. And I'll say this, too, as far as in light of family struggles and all of that other stuff, because I know there are some fathers and some, some mothers who have kids maybe that have gone astray. Yeah. And maybe they're not walking with the Lord. And you might feel like, well, if I can't, like I said earlier, if you if you lose your kids, what does mm-hmm. it, it matter if you gain the whole world and lose your family, right? And right. so maybe you're in that state and that hits you a little hard and you're like, well, my kids aren't walking with the Lord. And so therefore I'm, I'm like worthless. No, I'm not saying that. And I'm not trying to, with that statement, trying to, to let the enemy use God's word to neutralize you because... You need to pour in your kids. You need to do everything you can to to bring your kids, to bring your family to the Lord. But you don't have control over their hearts. Like right. I know good families. I know families who've poured into their kids. They did everything they possibly could mm-hmm. to pour in their kids, and their kids went astray. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say just because your kids went astray, you can't be out on the sidewalk. Right. To me, that's just not right. I don't think it's biblical either. Um, so... 
you, you, you don't take responsibility for things that you can't control. If you're a horrible parent, okay, that's one thing. But if you did everything you could within your ability to bring your kids to the Lord, that doesn't disqualify you for ministry. Right. I mean, think about it. God himself, the best father of all. I was just going to bring this <laughs> <Yeah>. up. <laughs> the best father of all yeah. lost Adam, right? Yeah. The first man yeah. that he created yeah. went astray. Yeah, and didn't didn't walk with him, rebelled against him. The, the yeah. only command he gave him, and he broke it. Adam and Eve both yeah. strayed from yeah. from God and yeah. believed the devil over over the Lord. His two first kids, yeah, his, they they walked away yeah. from his so, clear command. So there's a dynamic, and there's yeah. a, a real biblical importance for us to focus on our families and yeah. to uh, teach our children the Word of God and sow in their lives the truths of God's Word. But that doesn't mean we're responsible for their souls in the sense that we can change their hearts. You can't make your kids give their hearts to Jesus. You can't make them continue to walk with God as much as you want to. You can sow into them the principles of God's Word, and ultimately it's between them and the Lord whether or not they walk with God in the way that honors Him. God could have forced Adam and Eve to follow Him, but He didn't. He gave them free will. He gave them the opportunity to rebel and to choose not Him, and, and they did. So um, that that's true for all of us as yeah. as parents. We we do our best, and our children are free agents. They they have a free will, and they can choose to follow or not to follow. Yeah. So we we can't control that. We can't control what what they will ultimately choose. But what we can control is is that we have done all that we can um, under God before yeah. God. That he has commanded us to do with them and with ministry, yeah. and then leave the results to God. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, with that, we'll wrap this thing up. Sound good? Yeah. All right. Well, guys, we appreciate you tuning in, and uh, we appreciate if you guys would share this podcast with your friends, let folks know what you heard, um, share some feedback with us. Maybe there's subjects that we haven't covered yet that you would like for us to cover, maybe subjects that we've al- already covered but we didn't cover thoroughly enough or things, just questions that you have about podcasts that we've done in the past. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me, Daniel at lovelife.org. You can reach her at Vicki at lovelife.org. We'd love to hear from you. Um, but until next time, God bless. Give me an outlet for love. Give me an outlet for gratitude. Nothing's too precious since I met you